Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Sam, you see, see the lady there in the green dress? Yeah. I'm going to marry her. You're going to marry her? I'm going to marry her. What's her name? I don't know her name. That, 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 that doesn't mean a thing. Sam, it's, it's what we Italians call the thunderbolt. I had the exact same thing happen to me when I first laid eyes on my Angela. Coach, uh, don't you think you're jumping the gun a little bit here? Cliffy, honest, I know what I know. I, no, I, you think I should go over there and introduce myself? Yeah, I think it's best, Coach. It eliminates that awkward first meeting at the altar. And... <laughs> Welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me for this episode is a new guest to the show. He is the host of the HR Social Hour podcast and the co-host of Star Joe's, Mr. John Thurman. Welcome to the show, John. Ryan, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your interest. Uh, you, you approached me, you said you wanted, and you, you specifically you wanted to talk about these episodes. So um, before we get into uh, the episodes that we will cover... What's your Cheers origin story? I mean, it's your first time, so you get the same question that everybody gets. How and when did you discover the show, and what drew you to it? I was in grade school when Cheers first premiered, and I used to watch a lot of television in in the evenings with my dad. He loved comedies, and we would watch things. I don't really remember Cheers until probably the fourth or fifth season. In other words, I know we were watching it, but I just I don't really remember much about it. But as I got a little older, started to appreciate more of the jokes mm-hmm. and, and really kind of understand what was going on. I was hooked then. Uh, and that that Thursday night lineup, particularly between Cheers and Night Court, that was some of my favorite television of all time. <laughs> and, I, and I was in college when the show went off. And I can vividly remember watching that series finale and, and just feeling like it was it was such a perfect ending to that show. And then rem- remembering how tanked the cast was when they were on Leno that <laughs> night. <laughs> vividly watching. You know, just they you know, they they had obviously had. Uh, real beers at that point or something. <laughs> but no, I, it just was a huge, so, you know, really, really appreciate it. Continue to watch it in syndication. And in the last couple of years, I've done a couple of rewatches, uh, particularly since I found your show and then started, you know, watching it again. And uh, again, just absolutely, I, I absolutely adore the writing, the characters. It's just phenomenal. One of my favorites. Very, very cool. Sounds like very, very similar. Um, I, I know that I was watching the show with my family in the early years, but I think it was around the start of the Rebecca season six when I sort of keyed into it, and I, I was I was no longer just watching it because it was a family event. I was watching it because it was keeping me interested too. Yeah, I think for me it was about the time that Coach passed. Yeah, and then, yeah. And that transition and yeah. screaming Viking, like I just <laughs> one of I, that just is stuck in my brain forever. I think <laughs> the screaming Viking—it's a good uh, kind of shibboleth for the Cheers community. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, that takes us into the episode that we're talking about tonight. This is Season 3, Episode 6, Coach in Love, Part 1. So there's a little bit of a spoiler for you. 
This episode is written by David Angel, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November 8th, 1984. It's love at first sight for Coach when a woman named Irene Blanchard comes to cheers with her daughter, Sue. Coach is so smitten that he tells Sam and the rest of the gang that he's going to marry Irene, and that's before he's even met her. He asks Sam to be his wingman and to flirt with Sue when they make their introductions. Coach and Irene hit it off right away, but Sue shows zero interest in Sam. Despite the fact that Sam wasn't initially attracted to her either, and only approached her as a favor to Coach, Sam all but begs her for a date when she shuts him down. Meanwhile, Diane returns some personal items of Sam that she still had after their breakup and asks for some of her things back in return. She is mortified to discover that Sam and Carla use a hand puppet that was Diane's favorite possession when she was a child as a dirty dish rag. Also, Sam accidentally destroyed a hand-woven sweater of Diane's by putting it in with his laundry. Three weeks after meeting Irene, Coach is finally ready to pop the question. After getting some advice from the rest of the gang, Coach proposes to Irene, and she says yes. As the happy couple and everyone else in Cheers celebrates, Irene gets a phone call from her daughter, who tells her that she just won $2 million in the lottery. Irene is so blown over by her sudden good fortune that she has forgotten all about Coach or the fact that she just agreed to marry him minutes earlier. All right, John, what did you think of Coach in Love Part 1? This is a all coach all the time episode. Just just how adorable he is, you know. Nick uh, Colasano was just so great in that part. Uh, obviously, you've got a little bit of B story with the Sam and Diane giving each other their things back. Brian the Lion, that little tiny sweater, it's just the best. <laughs> but but again, I think it was it was really fun to watch coach and and just how enamored and as quickly as he became enamored with irene and it was it was just really sweet to watch that yeah i mean coach i mean like he he has been consistently i think every episode that i've done like he has been in contention as a runner up for the mvp of the episode right. just, yeah. like he was that solid every episode like he he just, I mean, the character from the beginning was fully formed. He knew exactly who he was, and Nikki Calasado knew exactly how to play him. He straddled that line of being not getting the joke, just not there, but not so dumb that you think he's kind of unbelievable or too foolish to be taken seriously. There's just such an earnestness about him, um, and and it's just, he he's wonderful. Now, with that said, he is a great role player and a supporting player. The episodes that have put him front and center and made the plot about him haven't always been the best. Some of them have been really good, and some of them, I think, are a little bit more forgettable. Sure. This episode, though, I mean, like you said, I mean, what we're going to see from this two-parter is it's all about him. And it's just like his... He's just, you love him to death. He's just so sweet in, the, in these shows. So, yeah, I, yeah, you love him in this... I just I thought it was tremendous to see him scoring with the babe, as it <laughs> yeah, were, he's and a, Sam Sam striking out for once. It was, he's you know, it was smooth great to see that slip. Yes. <laughs> oh, but he, yeah, again, just charming and and singing isn't romantic the whole time. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I, I again when when we talked about getting together, this was one that I was really excited about because I think this really was a yes. The, all of Coach's shows are not great, but this is one for sure. This story is one where he really gets to shine, and you get to see just how. He may be very simple in some ways, but he's absolutely charming and 
and and and pure and you know and and decent mm-hmm. good good a good guy yeah yeah he is um for the teaser for this <laughs> episode the way the episode begins Norm is actually passed out at the bar. He's <laughs> yes, asleep yes. at the bar in front of his drink. Um, and Carla's like, should I wake him up? And, and Sam's like, no, no, no need to. And Norm's like, alarm, like his watch alarm actually goes off and signals him to wake up. And we found out he's, he didn't actually drink himself into unconsciousness like he, you might expect. He actually fell asleep listening to Cliff yammer on and on again about his Florida trip. Florida. <laughs> Thing that never well, I, and I love that he woke up for last call. Yeah, you know, he did. It wasn't like he slept until he shut the bar down. No, no, I get I get one more before I, I got to go home. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's like, all right, all right. Um, and then they, they kind of like make the pack, the three of them, uh, Sam, Carla, and Norm, uh, are just like, all right, now when he comes back, don't say anything. Right. <laughs> no matter what you say, no matter what innocuous comment, Cliff will find a way of turning it back to Florida. And they're like, just don't say anything. So he just walks out there, he's like, how's everybody going? And they just nod. And they're just smiling. Nobody's saying anything. And Cliff is about at the door, and Sam just goes, later. And as soon as he says, <laughs> they're jumping on it. And it's such a weird thing because Cliff is like, well, it's not actually later in Florida. And he turns it into this thing about time zones. And it's like, oh, come on. This is so forced. But it's like they actually play it up just because of how, how like, they walked right into it. And Well, I love when he talks about alligators and then he mentions croc. And they said, yeah, we know. <laughs> It's like, you know what a crock is, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so then we cut to the credits, and then once Act 1 begins, uh, Diad comes in with this with this bag, and she's like, these are, you know, some personal items that, you know, I, I still had of yours after our breakup and everything. And she's trying to be very delicate. Like, she actually says, to private things to be opened discreetly, you know, trying to be very tactful. And he opens it, and just, Sam just shouts, hey, my pants! <laughs> And then, of course, she uh, she brings him back down by mentioning the Snoopy toothbrush. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. Then uh, she uh, she mentions that she left her Brian the Lion puppet in in his place, and Sam freaks out, and he he sees that uh, before Diane notices, he sees that Carla is using it as a rag to clean up the bar. And he's like, I'll give you $5 if you run out of the room right now. And Carla's like, I'll, sure. But she leaves the, re- the, the right. puppet right on the bar where Diane can see it. And she freaks out. Her best friend is a child. That uh, <laughs> speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Carla actually makes that joke later on. She's like, well, then being a dish rag would be an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So. And uh, if, of course, Sam is as it leads to one of Sam, one of the best parts of the episode, one of my runners up for a home run. But Sam is he's like, you know, I'm sorry, the the puppet didn't mean the same thing to me. He's like, I was I just wasn't cut out to be a puppeteer. And it cuts to Norman Cliff and Norman's like, that's got to be a tough thing for a man to admit in public. I love that. <laughs> so, and then there was one part that was kind of weird about that scene, and let me tell you what. When Sam does his whole little, like, sort of mock puppeteer, where he's, like, he puts the puppet on, he's doing, like, playing out the voice and everything, trying to be apologetic and trying to get Diane to give him a kiss for forgiveness. There's... The familiarity that she would actually sort of, like, kiss the thing, like, I was like, okay, I get... A little strange. Yeah, they're former lovers, I know, but she's clearly with somebody else, and it's a little strange that she would... But also, then I started thinking about it, 
Carlo was just putting cleaning solution <laughs> on saying, that thing and wiping, wiping down up nasty like, beer and peanuts. Yeah, yeah. wiping that up beer like Diane at all. And the wood, like she probably is there probably varnish on that or something like that. And <laughs> Diane was about to kiss it. I'm like, <laughs> so, um. And then there was basically one other joke that before before the ladies come in that I want to get when uh, Cliff is talking to the guys about Florida again, and he's, he mentions that um, the word Florida comes from the Okefenokee, the Okefenokee language. <laughs> it translates into place where the old people come to sweat. <laughs> right. And then we get uh, the guest stars in this episode. We get Irene and Sue Blanchard. Uh, Sue is played by a woman named Ellen Regan, who looked familiar to me, but I I checked her on IMDb. She's got a ton of credits. She was on the Ted yeah. Knight show. Uh, she was on episodes of like Taxi and and Romance Theater. I I don't think I've seen anything else she's been in, but she looked familiar for some reason. I thought she looked like Dana Delaney. Mm, I can kind of That's see who it. I thought of, and then when I looked her up, I saw she was in Kentucky Fried Movie. And I don't remember her in that at all, but no. it, that's who I thought of when, I, when she came on. I was like, well, I got to go look that up too because I couldn't and it look like her, but I know she's on there later. David Delaney so. will appear in season yes. eleven, I think. Yeah, uh, and then Irene Blanchard is played by Betty Ford, not the former first lady, <laughs> right. not the woman in terms of like the Betty Ford clinic, um, but the actress Betty Flo- Betty Ford who appeared in. Like action movies like Sudden Impact, Marked for Death. She was on shows like Falcon Crest, L.A. Law, Benson, Melrose Place, dozens of others. And then the thing that I actually looked up and found out, this woman was a freaking bullfighter. Bullfighter, right? <laughs> like, like, wait, what? Like, she was like a model in Europe and like somehow like met a bullfighter and, and took that up as a profession. I'm like, okay. Like, you can see her, like, in her youth dressed like that. And, wow. and she's still kicking, too, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah yes, yes, she's yes. in her early 90s. But I, I, when I saw a- actor and bullfighter, yeah, I got to learn more. That's that's not something you typically think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, with uh, you know, striking credentials like that, it's no wonder that uh, Coach felt the thunderbolt, as he says, <laughs> right. what the Italians call it. Um, what did you think of their – Sort of introduction, their 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 nonverbal introduction at first. Well, I, one of the one of the great my, one of my favorite shots in that scene is when he takes their coats and he he hangs the first one and then he just turns around and act, you know you think he's going to hang and it just drops right off and he walks right on. <laughs> yeah. He's so enamored with her already and struck by her beauty, he's not paying any attention at all. It was such a subtle little thing, I you know, and Diane's walking, I think, coming down the steps, but he just drops that coat and just walks right on like nothing, nothing's different. I thought that was tremendous. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Um, and then, you know, he starts describing, uh, to, like, how he's feeling and everything to, to Sam. He's like, I'm going to marry that woman. I actually, like, like in his... Throughout this episode, he actually mentions his his late wife Angela a couple of times, which I thought was a sweet touch. Yeah, um, the fact that he actually like that they didn't gloss over because other parts of his his history, like for instance, the fact that he's got a daughter that showed up in in season one. Um, we don't get you know any word of her in this one, but did mention that he was married and that his his wife died a long time ago. I thought it was sweet that they invoked her name a couple of times in this one, and then. Yeah, as we kind of said, like he he convinces Sam to be his wingman, and they go walk up, and they have this whole little approach that you get the sense that maybe this was something they practiced back in their right, baseball days. Because right. uh, they was like, hey, we were trying to wonder if you would settle a bet for us. Are you two sisters? And they do have their whole little thing, and throughout it, 
I was like, Coach is kind of a player. He's, yeah. he's, he's actually working with <laughs> Even when he is confused by what things she says are jokes and which things are serious, right. even that doesn't like throw her off. Like she's still, Irene is really drawn to him. Meanwhile, Sue is given nothing to Sam. Oh. I'm telling you again. It was it was great to see that reversal for once. Mm-hmm. You know, but how how often do we? You know, as I just try to recall, the been episodes past don't see that a whole lot. No, Sam shut down. Yeah, and when it happens, it's it's always a big deal. Um, yes. <laughs> like, and it's it's a not just for Sam, but it's sort of a, a crushing blow to the entire bar when right. he strikes out. And I think this is the first time we really see it because. Coach and Irene go to check out the player piano and everything like that, and he's got tons of flirty, you know, dialogue to lead her up there. And then Sam, who kind of at this point you're like, all right, why is he even bothering with her? Because he kind of he already told Coach she didn't have what he was interested in, but she's you know she's given him nothing and everything, and she's kind of blown him. She's like, you know what? I I really I just want to go out with my mom because we haven't been out today. He's like, okay, I get it, no problem. And then Irene comes back, and Sam overhears, basically catches her in the lie because they've had dinner, you know, every night. So she wants to go out with this with this new guy, Ernie, that she meets. And when when uh, Sam catches her on the lie, Diane gives this little chuckle from her. Yes, seat. she's sitting there. And then when when Sam stares at her, she's like, "I'm sorry, it's a funny book." She's reading a psychology book by Carl Sheer Jung. Carl Jung. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's Carl. Yeah, it's like so it's like what is it? Abnormal psychology in practice, or something like that. So. Some book. Um, and then it leads to another great little back and forth. It, like Sam is like, you were trying to get out of dating me, and she's like, I was trying to let you down easy. You were trying to let me down easy, and she's like, you're not my type. And he's like, I'm not your type. And finally, she's like, you're not adding a lot to this chat. I love that. I love that little back and forth. And yeah, Sam gets so desperate for this date, begging her. Until she just like screams at him and shuts him down in front of everybody, right. and the and the bar is just silent until <laughs> Norm breaks the silence. World doesn't seem to make sense anymore. That it's <laughs> yeah, absolutely not a love God. it. He was to me. Yeah. The, the, the king is dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then later on, we get the uh, Sam revealing that he accidentally ruined Diane's sweater. <laughs> like he he holds it up, and it's like. It's like like a baby, like a toddler size now. It's shrunk so much. Well, and I think he was going to try to find one, and didn't she say she got it in Ireland? Yeah, she got it in Ireland. It was handwoven. And he's like, he could never replace it. And he's he's apologizing. He's like, come on, Dad, don't be small about this. Right. And she's that like, would have made a good bar rag. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. And she's like, what am I going to do? She's like, well, did you ever see that woman, the movie The Incredible Shrinking Woman? Now pray it doesn't happen to you. Right. And then Coach comes back and he starts talking about like all of the like wanting to propose to her and asking for you know advice and this great little like back and forth because first he asks Carla or no Carla volunteers it's like the only proposal I ever heard was from my ex husband Nick and it's perfect because you can actually he- hear Dan oh, yeah. saying the line absolutely yeah and it's like Carla I knocked you up and not, and you know where I live so I guess I have to <laughs> and then yeah when once Irene comes over. Coach has his whole list. <laughs> what did you think of the all, list? All the kind of man he's not. All the, all the types of men. He's the, I'm not a smart man. I'm not a rich man. I'm not a tall man. I'm not, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not a thin man. And then he, I love it. I, I don't need and tears, balls it up, throws it on the floor, and then he forgets what he's going to say. Yeah. And then he just starts reading it all over again. <laughs> again, he's, I'm not a rich man. I'm not. A, I'm not a milkman. I'm not a gingerbread. Man. <laughs> 
I do, I do think it's kind of noteworthy, and I don't know if this was intentional or if it was just sort of a subtle thing. The first thing that he lists, he says, I'm not a rich man. And then what happens 30 seconds later? I, I think that was intentional. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And yeah, she gets the phone call from, or Sam picks up the phone and it's like, oh, she died and tries to flirt with Sue. And he's like, Sam Malone. And he's like, of course, she's still striking out with her. And then, yeah, and, and Irene, great reaction, just drops the phone and everybody's like, what, ha- what happened? And she says she won the lottery, $2 million, and everybody's going crazy. So, What would $2 million be in modern numbers, you think? Ooh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. We ought to have to run the calculator somewhere. I wonder how how much more it would be 30, almost 40 years later. Yeah. Because 2 million doesn't sound like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I am in Virginia and you, you know, we have those mega millions that are hundreds of millions. Mm-hmm. You have two, two sounds like penance anymore. Yeah. I was figuring probably at least high eight figures, if not nine figures. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but after she hangs out or drops the phone and she's like, I feel a little woozy and like, get her some brandy. <laughs> Brandy? What? Like, how did, <laughs> I've never heard of that for somebody that's woozy. I don't give them more alcohol. That may not be the best tack to take, but that I just that, I've never heard that ever in my life. If somebody's woozy, you give them brandy. Give them more alcohol. Than, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she can afford it. They think, yeah. <laughs> give her the good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. It actually does lead to another one of my runners up for my for my home run moment was when was when she just gets the information and she's still in shock. And Carla's like. Please don't tell me that was the only lottery ticket you ever played, even if it was. And she, and she just, Irene just goes, "It's a deal." And Carla's like, "I know." And she looks straight into like she buries her face into Sam's chest. She's, what did you think of them as a couple? Basically, just uh, as Coach and Irene. I mean, we we see them sort of lovingly, just kind of like the the one time or um, once once he proposes to her. But I mean, w- w- was this a couple to root for? You know, based on her response, you have to wonder. Like, I, I would say no, because we didn't see any more. We saw in that when they first met, at, when she first came in with her daughter, we saw that part and that she was rather struck with him, you know, and, and certainly enjoyed his company. And we hear a lot about it, but then we don't see them again until right there when he's proposing. And we'd like to think that it's obviously it's going well if he's going to ask her to marry him mm-hmm. after, what, three weeks? Yeah. But you know, it, it's also very hard to believe that somebody would suddenly, you know, you're you, you say, yes, I'm going to marry somebody. And literally this major news gets dropped in your lap and you forget what the other good news is. I don't know if I can cheer for that or not. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was. I mean, like, it's kind of a harsh trick to play on the audience because we love coach so much. Right. And if he is going to fall head over heels for this woman, who clearly likes him at first, she's very receptive. She likes his jokes. She plays with him. And if she's that into him, you're like, okay, maybe this is the coach is going to have this this happiness, and this is going to be something that's really special, and this could be maybe something going forward. Um, and then just for that, I mean, dramatically to have the rug pulled out, not just from under coach, because coach like doesn't even he's not there to witness it in the moment because he runs upstairs. To, to hold their table at Melville's. But, I mean, it ends, the, like, the final shot is this, like, freeze frame on Diane, Cl- uh, Cliff, and Norm as they kind of feel this, like, oh, crap. And I think they're kind of representing the way we're supposed to feel, which is 
wait a minute. We we bought we I mean we bought into this this love affair that coach because of how much we care about coach. We were really rooting for this. And now this sudden heel turn from this woman, she doesn't even remember him or or that they were going to get married. It's like this this is a real real red flag. <laughs> like Right. Yeah, it it definitely a needle scratch. It something again yeah. it just major disconnect in terms yeah. of if if it was that serious and again you have to kind of wonder why would why would she have even said yeah no you know again three weeks seems a bit uh, abrupt mm-hmm. but right. the heart wants what the heart wants Ryan I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean far be it for me to you know find some problem with the Thunderbolt as the Italians that's right, that's right. <laughs> they they know it better than I do so um, but yeah I, I, it is I mean it's it's the perfect place for the cliffhanger in this case to kind of get you like that that little emotional gut punch. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I mean, overall for this, I mean, mean, it's, we're going to have to judge the entire story once we get the second part next week. But for this part of it, it's got a lot of jokes. It's, it's kind of like funny, but I think as you mentioned, this, this part really hinges on how adorable and how earnest and sincere coach is and, and in his love. So I think that's really why we buy into this, this very, you know, sudden and abrupt, possibly life altering commitment to, to coach that he was willing to get married and possibly change his life. And then if her reaction had been different, if he had become then inherited millions, um, for some reason, I don't think he would have stopped coming to the bar to work, even if he was a millionaire. I'm with you. Yeah, he, I think it goes back to the I'm not a rich man. Mm-hmm. I think we certainly say he's simple in in some ways, right? But he that makes it uh, a fun episode to watch for for him and for his reactions and, and his lines. And then, yeah, what the emotional punch to the guts in the in the end. I, I, I watching this again, like for the you know for the sake of this podcast, like and really thinking about it, I was like. Man, that's kind of a cruel trick to play in the audience. Like, I, I felt like angry at her reaction in that last moment. I'm, I'm glad I was able to watch them back to back immediately mm-hmm. instead of waiting, you know, 35 years ago and having to wait till the next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe some of that edge is off because, <laughs> because I got to go right into the next one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listeners, you are going to have to wait the week to find out what we think <laughs> about that one. Uh, if you're watching along you know feel free to skip ahead and watch get that closure and then come back in a week for for john and i to talk about the next episode which we will um but before we get that uh a few other little things uh for it's a little known fact uh in this episode carla says that she wants to see the red sox win the world series before she dies uh, they would lose the World Series a couple years after this episode, but almost 20 years later, uh, it, this episode aired in like the, the second Thursday of November of 1984 on October 27th, 2004. So 20 years later, uh, the Red Sox did actually finally win the World Series for the first time since 1918, which ended the long curse of the Bambino. So uh, assuming assuming in-universe Carla survived another 20 years, uh, she, she got to see the Sox win. So. Well, they, they were on the Goldbergs, so maybe, in theory, maybe they did. Oh, I haven't even seen that episode either. Oh, yeah. You, oh, sorry. I don't mean to spoil No, no, no. I knew, I, knew yeah. a, I knew there was yeah. a mini Cheers reunion on that show. There is, yes, there's it. a mini Cheers reunion. I, they don't, I don't think they ever mentioned their names, but we could certainly <laughs> – we could just say, yeah, you know, 
in, well, I don't know. That show is supposed to take place in eighties too. I don't know. They're on there and they're they're of their age now. We can say whatever we want, but <laughs> yeah. you should you should watch it. It's 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 a fun watch. That one yeah. that was a fun episode too. I've I've heard it's pretty good, so I'll make the occasion to check that out. Yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, I gave him credit for four beers this time, and he almost got five. Um, because when they when they were like pouring around, everybody was getting around at the end as they were celebrating. Um, I either well, yeah, it would have been Sam because because Coach had headed out. Um, Sam poured a beer and put it in front of Cliff, but before Norm could get one, is when Irene said that she she couldn't remember what the other piece of news was, and everybody sort of like stopped frozen. So I he just missed out on that last one, but I give him credit for four beers, which takes him up to two hundred and eleven for the series at this point. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I. For me, this was pretty obvious, but who was your employee of the week? Oh, Coach wins everything in this episode <laughs> to me. You give him any title you want. I mean, again, this this is all based on how Carl Sano played the character. And again, just pure and happy and loving and adorable and all those things. You know, you're just you're all we always rooted. Everybody rooted for Coach. How could you not like Coach? Yeah, and, and you want it, you want him to be happy. How whatever that means to him, and yeah, he he wins the whole he wins the whole week. Ryan, hands down. I, I agree. Uh, everybody else had their little moments. You know, Sam and Diane, they're always great. Ted Danson and Shelley Long do do a great job, but they were re- they were really sort of shunted off with kind of a frivolous B plot. This was all about Coach and his love story, and uh, Calasanto just nailed it. Uh, the the sweetness, the 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 comedic beats, the dramatic beats, everything was great. So yeah, absolutely. Coach was the employee. Um, getting into the home runs and and the best gags for me. Um, I, I I love the point when like they're just you know asking like what, you know what these ladies are doing when they first go up to introduce themselves and they're taking their seats and they're like what are you ladies doing here and Irene says well we just came over to rob the place. <laughs> Coach bolts up out of his seat and shouts to everybody in the room, everybody do what they say and nobody will get hurt. (laughs) Well, then when she makes the, when she makes the other joke or the other, makes the other comment, he just starts howling. Coach, that's not a joke. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he didn't really get that, but yeah, just the way he took her seriously when she said they were going to rob the place. It's like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, what about you? What did you think was the funniest beat? So I, I have to say, you know, I absolutely love Norm. He's my favorite character on the show, period. And I'm not going to incriminate myself, but I used to enjoy beers with my friends a lot, particularly in college. And I had a, a similar situation one time where um, something happened and, and one of my friends basically cried and said, the king is dead, the king is dead. So th- this, when he said, my world just doesn't make sense anymore, that, that just about broke me. That uh, was was great. That and the little sweater. Like the little, the little sweater was... Was just the visual of that was tremendous. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I just love everybody. Everybody saw it. And just Norm just breaks into tears. <laughs> Cliffy putting his head trying to like like trying to console, console him. him. It's okay. The man's not a god. He was to me. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well. um yeah, uh, folks, uh, John will be back with me next week to cover Coach and Love Part 2. But until then, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? 
Well, as you mentioned, Ryan, I, I host the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast. It, it's all about human resources, and we talk to HR practitioners and people around our industry about connection, giving back to your community, and the power of your network. Uh, you can find that show at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you're listening to this show. And then I co-host Star Joe's podcast, which is literally Star Wars to G.I. Joe, all 80s properties. The, for- the Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle, and you can find <laughs> that show at starjoes.com. Uh, so much of my heart right there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for being my guest this time, and I will talk to you again in a week. Thanks to all of you out there listening, and thank you to those who support CheersCast by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack, and Ashford Wright from the Right On Network, who sponsored this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks to everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. What I want to say is... Oh, wait a minute. I got... Uh, Irene, uh, I'm not a rich man. I'm not a young man. I'm not not a handsome man. I'm not not a tall man. I'm I'm not a strong man. I'm not a talented man. I'm I'm not a well-traveled man. I'm not a smart man. I'm not a milk man. I'm... (laughs) I'm not a fat man. I'm not a gingerbread man. I'm not a... What are you trying to say, Ernie? Oh, I don't need a piece of paper to tell you what my feelings are. Irene, uh... Well, maybe I do. Uh... Uh, Irene, I'm not a rich man. I'm not a young... Uh, Oh, yeah. Look, um, Irene, what I'm trying to say is... I love you and I want you to marry me, but I can't find the words to say it. Ernie, you said all the words you need to. I'd love to be your wife. She said yes! <laughs>